welcome to the Around Our Community podcast with Community Insurance Partners. Today we have Jason Jones, the owner and founder of Community Insurance Partners. Hi, and we have Ms. Sharon Brammer, a family nurse practitioner with Franklin Primary Health. And she works at the H.E. Savage Healthcare for the Homeless here in Mobile, Alabama. Sharon, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you, Sharon. We really enjoyed coming by and visiting you. I guess it was maybe a couple of weeks ago we got to stop by and, and just have the opportunity to be able to talk with you. So thank you again for coming in. Yeah, we appreciate you taking the time. And I've got patience to see. And um, so looking forward to the opportunity to be able to talk with you a little bit, find out a little bit about you kind of how you got here and what made you decide to go into being a nurse practitioner and then some of the things that Franklin does here in Mobile and and specifically at your facility. Okay. Uh, and I enjoyed having you guys come by to find Thank out you. what you were doing because that's been very helpful for us to be able to be part of, of the, your, your organization. Thank you. So where were you born, Sharon? How did you, how did you enter this world? Uh, I was born in Alexander City, Alabama, which is kind of mid-state, if you're familiar with it. Lake Martin is our Lake claim Martin. to fame. Right there, 280. Right. And uh, <clears throat> I went to nursing school uh, at a little nursing school in Sylacauga, Alabama. And then I got my nurse practitioner degree at uh, UAB. Okay. Wow. So right after... Nursing school, I joined the Army. I spent four years on active duty. And thank this you for your was service. Se- thank you. 70 to 74. So that was kind of the ending of the Vietnam War. So, so, that, was so a, that was a pretty popular time. Um, that was There was a lot of activity going on in the 70s. There was a lot of activity. So, yes. you know, from um, the war, you know, right. protesting the war, the civil rights movement was at its height. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was a it was a good time to to be part of this country. Okay, very good. We need that back. <laughs> we need that back. The good to, to be a part of the country, not so much the war. Right, right. right. So, what, when you were in the army for that four years, what were you doing? I was a nurse. Okay. Uh, they were the army was gracious enough to pay for my nursing school. And so I was obligated to do four years. Um, I did my four years and then I stayed 26 years in the reserves. So, okay. Wow. Uh, it was a, it was a very good second career. So I've always been able to, to work as a nurse practitioner or as a nurse without having, with people having, not having to pay. I've always been very, uh, I really believe that uh, that everybody deserves health care. So as a nurse practitioner in um, in the military, did you have did you have a certain place that you work from? Did you work on the veteran administration offices or tell me how that works? Now, the first four years that I was in, I was a nurse, okay. a, a floor nurse right. in a, a military hospital. OK. <clears throat> and it was that experience that uh, motivated me to go back to school to be a nurse practitioner because as an army nurse, you were really allowed to do much more and you had much more freedom than you did as a civilian nurse. And so when I came out, I thought, you know, I've had all this training. I know how to suture. I know how to do all this, you know, these things that I can't do as a, as a registered nurse. So I looked into it and the nurse practitioner program had just started. I was the second class that ever graduated from UAB. So I have been a nurse practitioner almost 40 years. Wow. So, 
Yes. When we when I started, uh, we could not write prescriptions. Mm-hmm. You know, we had to have a physician with us. You couldn't practice independently. So things have come a long way in Alabama. For they really have come a long way because, yes. I mean, now you see a lot more nurse practitioners and physician assistants that are that are involved and engaged in, in, in multiple areas in, in all area, all areas from inside the hospital and the clinics and. And really ever. What what brought you down to Mobile? Well, uh, in 1985, um, I was fortunate enough to be a part of one of the first 19 health care for the homeless programs that were um, developed by the mayors of uh, the larger cities. We were the 19th city that was funded to do it with the Robert Wood Johnson Pew Memorial Trust. And so the first four years that I did it, uh, no one had ever really taken health care to the streets. So we were given kind of four years to, you know, tweak what worked best. And when I first started out, um, I would go you know, I would I just went into the park. I went into Land Park in Birmingham, Alabama, and I sat down on a bench with a blood pressure cuff and a stethoscope. And I asked the homeless people, you know, what works for you? Because what works for me doesn't matter. You know what? How it, how are you able to access care? And they would say, well, you know, we have to leave the shelter at 530 and start walking the street. And then we have to be somewhere at noon to get a meal. So when I first started doing clinics, I would do them in the shelters at six o'clock in the morning and 12 o'clock at noon when they had soup kitchen. And then right before they got their bed in the afternoon. That is so amazing that you you actually took the time at the very beginning to to really kind of figure out where they were to meet them. At, at the point of where they were at, where they could actually reach and, and receive care as opposed to just, you know, this is my time that I'm going to do it and this is what's most convenient for me and you can make it or you cannot make it. Well, the one thing I think it's really important to understand is that uh, I really am not real fond of the term homeless. OK, right. it's really people without homes. And that's right. the only difference. You know, they're just like us. They mm-hmm. just have nowhere to lay their head at night. So um, so I stayed there 15 years and uh, then decided uh, my son graduated from high school and I thought we would just make a move. So my husband and I moved down and I met with Charles White, who is the CEO of Franklin Primary Health, which right. is a community health center that's vision is to bring be the number one health care provider for the people of Mobile and Ballin County. And we have clinics all over, all over actually. Because I think they have, they have a clinic in Washington County now. Right. Yes. Right. So this means all over. <clears throat> so I interviewed with Mr. White and uh, he offered me the job. And it was, uh, it was an opportunity to expand the program in Mobile. And uh, I've had the wonderful opportunity of being here 20 years. So I have 35 years of experience working with homeless. So was it 1985 when you when you moved to Mobile to, to start? With- no, 1985 was Birmingham. 1985 and was I, Birmingham. I came to Mobile in 2001. In 2001. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, I've. Um, it's interesting you talk about being a nurse practitioner and the things that you guys can do. Uh, Jason and I both worked at some of the healthcare carriers, uh, the larger ones in the country. And one of the things I always advocated when I was there, as you 
try to develop provider care, provider networks, physician networks. Um, with seniors, one of the most important pieces is primary care. But if you look at the number of physicians that are going into primary care, it's been dropping significantly for the last 15, 20 Great. years, which is having a, it's, it's eventually going to blow up when you have a rapidly aging population and a rapidly decreasing primary care base to take care of them. It, the, the healthcare system is going to have this crux where things are going to start to fall apart. Um, and I have always advocated that the nurse practitioners that are out there could pick up a massive chunk of that deficit that we have. And the two biggest problems that, that at least I saw from a, a risk management perspective and legal and just old school thinking, to be quite honest with you, Great. is that each one of the individual states have such wildly differing uh, acceptances of what they'll allow a nurse practitioner or a PA a physician assistant to do, right. uh, even if it's, you know, Alabama, Mississippi. Uh, and the other piece, and it's more the old school thinking, is that, you know, the carriers are not willing, some of them are, but to, to put the nurse practitioners in their directory and let a, let a beneficiary who has to have a primary care physician select or assign that nurse practitioner as their primary care physician. Um, so, you know, if, if we could ever get, we're going to have to have that, that additional force to help take care of this aging population. And hopefully someone listening to the podcast will take that and run with it. And I'd right. like to trademark yeah. that idea of it. I, I remember, and, and I'm glad you said 2001 because I, I remember you know, I moved to Mobile in 1995. And um, when I graduated from Troy University, I worked at the infirmary as a social worker from 95 to 98. Then in 98, I moved out to South Alabama and worked at the Nolan Hospital location until well, not really until they transitioned. When they transitioned over to Infirmary West, I was there for about a year after that before I made the transition over into a health plan and John and I worked together from that point forward. But I remember, I remember there was, there was very limited, it was, it was just a limited environment for anybody that was, as you're saying, without a home. Um, and people without a home. I mean, there, there was, and we had a lot. And when working on the Interstate 10 area, people coming into the Nolan Hospital there, we, we had a lot of people that came through that just didn't have anywhere to go. They didn't have any, any, anybody to take care of them. They really didn't have a community at all that would watch their stuff. And, and I, it's amazing because I was more introduced to that out on the west side of town than I was introduced to that down in the firm right now. It could have been just the different type of position that I had. And then firmly, as opposed to out in the Westport Portmobile. But I remember, I remember H.E. Savage Healthcare for the Homeless when that came along. And, and many of us talking about, Oh, this is fantastic. We actually have a resource, someone who will be able to look out and make sure that, that people are, have some care. They have something. Cause you're right. I mean, they're, it, we're, we're, we're causing, we're causing a lot of problems by not allowing people to be able to have some type of, Healthcare in some way, and, and it's so difficult for people to go to the emergency room for their care. Um, you know that has changed over the, especially with the electronic medical records. Uh, we work very closely with the hospitals now, and they have really good discharge plans. You know, so so we get their medical their hospital records so that we can follow up and they contact us and make appointments. The big thing, the biggest hurdle that I have. And hopefully if I can ever get a program started, I can go to the house. Uh, but we have no respite. Right. So a person gets discharged from the hospital. Okay. 
they're not they're not sick enough to be in the hospital anymore, but they're too sick to be on the street. There is nowhere for them to go. So if I, you know, and I have worked diligently to get programs started, most of most cities, most of the larger cities have respite programs and those programs are usually financed by hospitals because it's so much cheaper to have a respite bed than it is to have a hospital bed. Yes, ma'am. So that is one of the uh, things that I wanted to talk about was the need for respite care. And if anybody out there has any ideas on how, I mean, I have a wonderful grant written. I just have no one to finance the grants. So are the beds, are, are you looking at the beds being inside of a hospital? Is that kind of your thought? Or? Well, I mean, you know, we've worked with water, Waterfront Rescue right. Mission, who, who does have some respite beds that, of course, because of the COVID, uh, we're, we're not being able to utilize them. But, uh, you know, a boarding home, uh, a building, you know, where you could just put eight beds and, right. you know, have a shower facility and, and food and just, you know, most of these people are able to care for themselves. They, their activities of daily living, they just have nowhere to do it. So uh, that's my, that's my goal before I, I leave my career. Is so I think that, that's fantastic. You already have a grant kind of built out for that, of, of, of different kind of funding to be able to do that. I've got a budget. I've got I, everything. I wish I would have realized that before, but we just got through tearing down two buildings on our property. Completely to the ground, um, mm-hmm. to, to dirt on the, on the property. They would have needed work on them, but right. they, were, they were completely empty, available buildings. Well, that's, that's what I'm looking for. But One I was think, a large building. You know, it probably has to be or it would be beneficial if it were closer to. Absolutely. To our office so yes, that ma'am. we can, you know, keep tabs on people. Well, fortunately um, or unfortunately, there are. There's probably a lot of open space down there. It's just finding the right person that's, that's willing to. To use their particular facility for for something along those lines, and then well, you got to go through the zoning and all that right. too. And we had, you know, of course, we had our state rep in here Matt last week. Just mm-hmm. yeah, you know, just just last week, that was. In, we've had several people that are in the the. the Maybe we could put Sharon in touch with Sherry Carl. Yes, yeah, absolutely. He would be the one that would really be able to talk with other people and have that. Yeah. People's ears, so that's a great idea. And we had a great great podcast with him a couple months ago during the election campaign that he won. And um, so we've got that contact. Maybe we can get you guys together. So respite care is kind of your passion that you want to try to figure out before you retire, how you can kind of get in respite, ter- respite care kind of on the as an opportunity. For right. I can remember years ago, um, I, I'd never had the flu before. And I remember having the flu and my temperature was 102 and 103. And I thought to myself, I was so sick. I couldn't get back to the, you know, to the bathroom and back to the bed. And I thought, dear God, what does somebody do if they've got the flu and they're on the street? I mean, the resilience that people develop when they don't have any resources is amazing to me. I'm not really sure I would be very good on the street. You know, we were just talking about your location um, and, and we were talking about the buildings that were around there. And I noticed several of them were owned by the city. Just kind of, that's got my mind going. But there's several of them right there, right across the street from you, were city owned buildings, city owned buildings, beautiful right. buildings. So I remember, uh, reminds you of a story. I used to make fun of people that got the flu. I'd be like, come on, it's the flu. You get the sniffles. 
suck it up. Come on, come back into work. And then I got the flu the first time. I was 26 years old, living on my own. And I distinctly remember calling my mother. I was in Birmingham. <laughs> she's, she's a nurse down here. I remember calling my mother early one morning in tears. Mom, I'm about to die. Mm-hmm. I literally thought I was going to die. And I've never made fun of the flu since. I had mine when I was, in, I was I a teenager. And I thought I was going to die. I didn't realize just how bad it was. So we we kind of have bounced around a little bit, but what was it? Was was there a moment coming out of nursing school and and going into the nurse practitioner program, or maybe something you knew all your life? But it's it's a it's a commitment to go into the line of work and, and caring for the population those without homes that you've been caring for for your entire career. For your entire career. I mean, that's not like something you just, you know, jump from one thing to another. Right. This has been a passion for you for, you. for your entire life. Was there so was there a moment early in your childhood or maybe in college or high school that, uh, that made you decide this this is what I want to dedicate my life to? There really was and um I think maybe when I was I was about 12 or 13 years old, I remember that I had an acceptance of uh, of Jesus, and Amen. I thought I want to do something with my life that I think He would be proud of me for. Amen. Amen. That is fantastic. That really is. That, and that, that's truly. We can't beat that from the end. I mean that 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 is that's the, the best know. segment this podcast has ever done. <laughs> I mean that's fantastic. I mean that's that's you're absolutely right. I mean because we all want to make a difference, and I, I always talk about the fact of. In my generation, we want to make a difference in the world, and I want to make a difference in the world. I don't want to come through and just get what I can out of it and and leave everybody else to figure out for themselves. I want to do something different, which is why I have an insurance agency that is completely different than anybody else's insurance agency. Just completely different than anybody else in, in, in what we do because I, I, want, I, want, I want there to be a difference. I want, I want to have an impact. It's that stands the test of time after I'm gone. I know. I always say, be careful what you pray for. (laughs) (laughs) I make sure not to do on patience because I I realize the the difficulty there. That's fantastic. Sharon, thank you so much for being in today, for being a part of the podcast, for for doing what you do. I mean, I don't there's not enough people that tell you thank you for what you do for our community for the people inside of our community um, that will last generations from now. Because I imagine that that when you started, that the caring for people without housing probably wasn't necessarily right on top of, of Franklin's radar. And you kind of brought that, brought it to Mobile, brought the opportunity. Now I see many people springing up with with different types of programs and things from you know, bathing or, um, or washing clothes. I've got a friend of mine who does some of those things. And mm-hmm. And um, the Ransom Ministries that does the, the, all the, the restaurants, which I love. I think that's a fantastic program as well. But a lot of that you brought in here and you you, you gave people instead of the we can't do anything about it. And the Yes, we can do something about it. You know, the, you put that together. And thank you for that. And thank you for having me. But the one thing that I would like to say is that I have gotten way more from what I've done than what I've given. I have met incredible people. I mean, people whose stories are just, you know, I, we could sit and talk all day and I could right. tell you these stories. And and it's been amazing to know them and to know that they have uh, persevered and, you know, and keep their head up and say, I'm blessed today. And, right. you know, so it it has really been 
I've been fortunate to have had this opportunity. Well, thank you. There's still more people to help, obviously. Right. Um, So, hey, out there in the podcast audience, I'd like to thank you for joining today. Uh, And again, if you'd like to find out more about how maybe you can be involved or help, uh, it's Franklin Primary Care here in Mobile, Alabama. And Ms. Sharon works at the H.E. Savage Healthcare for the Homeless Facility, Offspring Hill Avenue. And what's the phone number there at that location? 251-694-1801. Fantastic. Thank Thank you very much for joining. Thank Thank you. Thank you.